0: We'll be looking at the scripture reading for this morning. It's from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. It'll come up for you on the screen, but allow me to read it out for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your word, that you would transform us through your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The central theme that is always associated with, with Easter Day, with the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, is hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead gives us hope of eternal life. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, we would have no basis for hoping to have eternal life ourselves. So the resurrection of Christ is such an important foundation of our faith. The resurrection of Christ Jesus is also proof that our sins have indeed been forgiven. Imagine a prisoner, a man who's, let's say, sentenced to seven years of imprisonment for a for for burglary. At the end of seven years, when he finishes the sentence, he is set free. He is a free man. He is no longer a criminal. And he walks out of jail. That walking out of jail is proof that the sentence has been served. And similarly, the resurrection of Christ Jesus is proof that the sentence for your sin and mine, the punishment for your sin and mine, has been fully done with. It is truly finished. So the resurrection of Christ is so important, such an important foundation of our faith. However, however, for a people group who claim to have so much faith, we as followers of Jesus often do lead hopeless lives. The reality of everyday life in the struggles and the drudgery of everyday life and the disappointments of everyday life, we do slip into hopelessness. We have this hope of resurrection. We know this hope. We believe in this hope. But so often, we don't know how to appropriate this hope. So often, we don't know how to enjoy this hope. And so the best way to remember the resurrection of Christ Jesus, the best way to celebrate Easter is to grow in the enjoyment of this hope of resurrection. Which is what I'm hoping that the Spirit of God will do in our midst this morning through his word. That's also one of the reasons I picked this passage from 1 Peter for this morning. This passage doesn't just inform us of the great hope that we have. This passage actually helps us experience and enjoy gospel hope. So there are three things that I'd like to draw for us from this portion of scripture that we read this morning. The gift of hope and how to enjoy it. The relationship between grief and hope. And the test of hope. The gift of hope and how to enjoy it. The relationship between grief and hope. And finally, the test of hope. Let's look at the first thing, the gift of hope and how to enjoy it. Hope is a gift we receive the moment we come to faith in Christ Jesus. We do not manufacture hope. We do not look deep within, search the deepest corners of our heart to to gather every bit of hope that we have from within and we bring it to God. Not at all. The gospel does not work like that. Hope is a gift given to us the moment we come to faith in Christ Jesus. Where did I get that from? Look at verse 3 from the passage that we read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. We are born again into a living hope. Recently, one of our neighbors had a baby. Uh, It's been just a few weeks now. This baby was not born into nothing. This baby was born into everything his parents had. This, these parents absolutely love their baby, so their baby was born into their love. And these parents have a wonderful apartment. The baby was born into that apartment. They, they have great savings. Um, they have good savings. They, they, they have a good education. They have good culture in their family. This baby was born into all of that. And so this baby was born into a whole bunch of things. Similarly, every one of us who believes in Jesus is born into the living hope. That's what this passage says. We are born into it. It's it's our entitlement. It's our inheritance. It's our right that our Heavenly Father has given us. Hope is our birthright of being born again. Just like the baby did not do anything to earn anything it was born into, we do not need to do anything to earn the gospel hope that we were born into. Hope. Is a gift given to everyone who believes in Jesus. As this passage says, we are born into a living hope. Hope is a gift. Receive it. Receive it. I know I've oversimplified this. uh, Because being born again is a, a lot more complicated than a baby being born. Uh, Being born again means just that. It means being born again a a second time. The first time we were born, we were all born into sin and brokenness and rebellion. Sure, we, we we all of us have many good things that we were all born into. But sadly, every one of those good things was corrupted by sin. So the first time we were born, we were born into sin. And that sin clouded and corrupted every good thing in our lives. And then when we were born again by faith in Jesus Christ, we were born again into hope. We were born into a glorious hope. We were born into a beautiful hope. We were born again into the hope of resurrection. We were born again to a reality where our sin was forgiven, where we are being sanctified and we are being Transform. We are born, born again into a, into a reality where the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God himself, lives within us. We are born to a hope that Christ is going to come again as our bridegroom, and he's going to embrace us and take us to be his bride forever. We are born to a hope that Jesus, who has gone away to his father's house, is preparing rooms for us, and he's going to come back and take us to be with himself. Himself. But even though we were born into such a great hope, we still remember and in some ways still retain the old sin that we were born into. We do keep going back to the old ways, often forgetting and unable to enjoy the living hope that we were born into. How do we leave the old ways behind? How do we learn to enjoy and appropriate the hope, the living hope that we were born into. How can we make this glorious hope our own? I'm reminded of the parable of the prodigal son. It's it's a very good example of how we miss out on enjoying the hope we were born into. For those of you who are not familiar with the parable, a father had two two sons, an elder brother and a younger brother. and, And the younger brother told his dad give me my share of inheritance and he took all the money away he took all his inheritance away went to a distant land and he just squandered the money he wasted the money gambling prostitutes you name it whatnot he he went to vegas maybe and wasted all his all his money and then when there was nothing left nowhere to go he was humbled he realized his folly he repented and came back to the father the father welcomed him that's that's a parable you see, the younger son in this family, in the younger son in the parable, he was born into a family, and he wanted the material blessings of the family, but he did not want the relational blessings of the family. He wanted the father's money, but he did not want the father's fellowship, and so he lost the hope he was born into. That's exactly how we so often deal with our Heavenly Father. We want His blessing and we want to walk away with, with His blessing. We don't want His fellowship. We do want Him to bless our career, make us prosper, make us successful in our career. We do want Him to keep us safe Uh, In in the pandemic, we do want God to take care of our future, make sure we have decent savings, make sure that we are doing well financially, flourishing. All of those are good things. We do want all of those. We do want to spend time growing in fellowship with our Heavenly Father. So like the younger son in the parable, if we only seek material blessings from our Heavenly Father and we do not seek the relational blessings of our Heavenly Father, we are bound to forget the hope we were born into. Because in the search of mere material blessing and mere career success, there is only drudgery and toil. You know it. You're feeling the weight of it. You're carrying the burden of the toil that it demands every day just to stay in the same place, leave alone grow. If that is all we seek, if that is all our hearts are set on, we are going to forget the hope that we were born again into. Life will become drudgery. Which family are we living in? We will have the hope of the family we live in. I'm not talking about biological families here. I'm talking about spiritual families. If we live most of our lives in our own family of sinful ambition and self-glory and self-effort and self-reliance and self-preservation, we will have the hope of that family, which is basically hopelessness and, and drudgery and toil. But if we live in God's family, in relation with our Heavenly Father, in the family that we are born again into, the family of faith in Christ, love and service, then we're going to enjoy living in the glorious hope of resurrection that we all have in Christ Jesus. Hope is a gift given to every believer who is born again by faith. In Jesus, But the question is, are we living in the new family, functionally, practically on a day-to-day basis? Are we living in the new family we were born again into? Or are we slipping back to the old family of sin and death? And that's the first thing I wanted to draw out for us from the passage. That hope is a gift. And how do we enjoy it? We enjoy the hope by being in relational communion with our Heavenly Father who adopted us into his family by the death and resurrection of his son, Christ Jesus. The second thing I'd like to draw for us from the passage, the second thing this passage is calling us to consider is the relationship between grief and hope. Relationship between grief and hope. Look at verse six. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. We've all been born again into a living hope. And yet every one of us, without exception, we have to face grief from many trials of life. And this poses a major challenge for, for pretty much every one of us. This poses a huge challenge for us because most of us, we are binary beings. We are binary Beings. What this means is that at any given point in time, we can only deal with either hope or we can only deal with grief. We are binary beings. For most of us, it is most often either this or that. Either grief or hope. We struggle to navigate both grief and hope together at the same time. The lockdown has taught us that. We keep slipping back between these two realities. Both of them are realities. Some of us tend to lean more on the hope side. We are optimists. We are quick to hope. And we are slow to grieve. Maybe never to grieve. This may sound like a good thing. It may sound like a jolly good life, but it is not. These kind of people lack empathy. They are unable to mourn with those who are mourning. Those on the hope side of the the binary equation tend to suppress their emotions. They live in denial of their emotions and they live in denial of other people's emotions. I, I know it. I'm very familiar with this because this is me. Even though these kind of people are quick to hope, their hope is not very strong. Why is that? Because you see, their hope has not endured grief. Their hope has merely ignored grief. This is one side of our binary nature. The second side of the binary, of our binary nature is the second kind of people. The second kind of people are quick to grieve and they are slow to hope. They brood. They they, they may be more empathetic, but, but they tend to pamper you in your grief. They tend to focus more on the pain and the hurt and the brokenness of the world. If they, these people, if they hit a downward slide in their emotions, they keep sliding down and down and down and down. And they get angry with you and accuse you of not showing enough empathy if you point them away from their pain and point them to Christ. Those on the grief side of the binary equation tend to indulge their emotions. They they acknowledge and value their emotions more than they value truth. Most of us are binary people. We can either deal with hope or we can deal with grief. We cannot deal with both at the same time. But the gospel is not binary. Binary. The gospel is wholesome. The gospel enables us, it empowers us to look at both, to, to deal with both grief and hope at the same time. It's the only paradigm in the entire world that teaches us, that it empowers us, equips us to face grief, to acknowledge it, not to, to deny it, and yet experience hope throbbing, Within our souls, death challenges you to grow out of your binary nature and to grow into gospel wholeness. As most of you know, Ajit's mom, uh, my wife Ajita, her mom passed away the day before yesterday, a few hours after we finished our Good Friday service. She was 82. Uh, she was struggling with uh with cancer uh, in the recent months as Aji was serving her physically, emotionally, spiritually, she came to faith in our Lord Christ Jesus, what a joy that was uh, I know aji's been praying for her mom for twenty years fifteen twenty years, and it was a answer to prayer after long, long, long years. And in the last few months, as Anji cared for her physically, made several trips to Kaimutu as she, her mom lived, um, cared for her physically, met every physical need of hers, met every emotional need of hers, met every spiritual need of hers. She grew to love her mom even more. And so when her mom passed a few hours after our Good Friday service, she was heartbroken. She was grieving. And she, she was weeping she, she just cried and said just one thing. I wish I could have seen her one more time. I wish I could have seen her one more time. As she was grieving and grieving and grieving, in and through that grieving, hope arose. The grief was real. Um, she didn't um, wash she didn't, you know, swat away the grief. Grief. Uh, She didn't wish it away. She didn't bury it. She she engaged with it. She experienced it. She expressed it. But in the grief, there was also hope. Hope. And because of her faith in Jesus, because of Ajit's mom's faith in Jesus, death is not the end. She is with Jesus, and she's with him right now in her spirit. And when Christ comes again, she will rise again with along it come along with Christ with a resurrected body and just as we who are continue to be alive at that point in time we'd be caught up in the air with him. all the dead who've risen in Christ and all of us who are still left will, will, will go and meet up our bridegroom in the air. What a joy that is. You see, when we came to face with death, Aji and I, we couldn't stay with our binary, Mindsets, in the the face of death of a loved one, to to only hope is shallow. It's not healthy. It's immature. It's a superficial make-believe faith. It's merely ignoring the pain of the present temporary life. On the other hand, to only grieve is not the truth. To only grieve is an injustice to the faith we have in Christ Jesus. Jesus. We are forgetting the hope of eternal life. And so Aji had to grieve and she had to hope. And she did that. She grieved. She grieved not being able to see her mom one last time. She grieved not being able to see her mom ever again in this life, on this side of eternity. She grieved the cancer that caused the death, she grieved the sickness that caused the death, she grieved death itself, she grieved the sin that brought death into the world. But she also hoped, she also hoped for the eternal life her mom has because of her faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus grieved, Jesus wept when he was with Mary and Martha. And when Mary and Martha were mourning the death, mourning the death of Lazarus their brother Jesus wept Jesus mourned with Mary and Martha even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead in the next few minutes Jesus could have told Mary don't cry Mary I'm going to raise Lazarus up from the dead Don't cry it's okay how often do we, do we say those words? Jesus did not tell Mary not to cry, even though he knew it was going to be okay in the next few minutes. No. Jesus did not tell Mary, don't cry, Mary. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Jesus knew that he was going to make it okay. But he did not tell Mary not to cry. No, he did not do that. He not only let Mary weep, but he sat and wept with her. He mourned with her. He grieved with her. And only when the grieving was complete did Jesus raise Lazarus up from the dead. This is the wholesome gospel. The gospel is not binary. Jesus grieved with us He sat with us, he grieved with us, and then he introduced the greatest hope of resurrection. The gospel equips us to overcome our binary limitations and give us a hope that can look at grief straight in the eye and overcome it. The gospel does not call us to suppress grief in order to experience hope in the pandemic, in the lockdown, through our struggles. The gospel does not call us to suppress grief in order to experience hope. The gospel invites us to express our grief without losing sight of our hope. To not grieve is an error, but to grieve in, in a way we lose sight of our hope is also an error. So the gospel invites us to express our grief, not suppress it express our grief without losing sight of our hope. Romans chapter four, verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham knew, the Bible says, that his body was as good as dead. You see, his hope was not a hope that was based on denial, His hope was based on the acknowledgement that his body and that of his wife, Sarah, who was 90 and he was 100 at that point in time, was as good as dead. He acknowledged it. I'm sure he grieved it. And yet, in that grief, in that grief, stood hope. Greater than the grief, stronger than the grief. Grief. So this Easter, as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ Jesus, we do not need to pretend grief doesn't exist. We need not ignore whatever grief we may be facing. We don't have to ignore it. Career failure, a career not being as successful as we were hoping it would be. Relationships not being what it is. Um, Just maybe just the monotony of our lives purposelessness of our lives acknowledge it grieve it own it own it and in and through it see the hope that we have in Christ Jesus acknowledge the grief and then we we see the hope that we have in Christ Jesus because hope that has not endured grief is no hope at all hope that has ignored grief or 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 Pretended grief doesn't exist. It's not real hope. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. The joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. That brings us to the third and the last thing I wanted to draw for us from this passage. The test of hope. The test of hope. Why do we have to endure grief? Why are we even walking through the season of already, but not yet? Why after Jesus has already died and we we sung, didn't we? It is finished. It is sin is dealt with. Death is dealt with. Why after even the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus, why has Christ not yet made this world beautiful again? Why does God allow his beloved redeemed to still suffer in a broken world? Why does God allow his beloved redeemed to still suffer in a broken world? The answer is right here in this passage, verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that, that's the answer. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God allows his beloved redeemed to live in a broken world so that their faith, when tested by fire, can bring praise and glory to Christ Jesus. The testing of our faith and the hope we demonstrate, we receive and demonstrate in our grief and in our struggles brings glory to Jesus. It brings glory to the Son of God. Our hope and endurance in struggle and grief brings hope, brings glory to the Son of God. Oh, it will be worth it. When we endure in hope, all our sufferings, all our grief will be worth it when one day we see Christ face to face and we see him glorified as a result of our endurance in hope. When our grief and when our suffering, when our hope in the midst of those grief and suffering brings glory to Christ Jesus, oh, on that day, we will look back and say, this was worth it. You see, The gospel is not just about us. The gospel is not just about our salvation. The gospel is not just about our justification, our sanctification, our glorification. It includes all of that. Absolutely, yes. But the gospel is also about the glory of God. God being glorified through the redemption of fallen humans. God being glorified through the redemption of all fallen creation. We must not lose sight of the glory of God in and through the journey of our salvation. The journey of your salvation and mine is meant to bring glory to God. God is meant to receive glory through the lives we live. We were redeemed for his glory. And so when we go through grief and suffering and trials and tribulation in hope, we bring glory to Christ Jesus. So let me close with a final thought. The more we partake into the living hope we were born again into, the more glory we bring to God. The more we enjoy and exercise the living hope we were born again into, the more glory we bring to God. Let me repeat that. The more we enjoy and exercise the living hope we were born again into, the more glory we bring to God. And as we remember and celebrate the resurrection of Christ Jesus this morning, may our hope in him, even through grief, bring him glory. God's people said, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We surrender, Lord, 40 days of surrender. We come this morning, surrender fresh, surrender that every grief, every trial in our life will birth hope. And through that hope, we will bring glory to Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.